Well, by now, over many, many weeks, you're familiar with the, with the theme we've been studying Jeremiah under, uh, surviving disasters. Uh, there are about three more weeks uh, on Jeremiah. But today we're looking at a place where it's 588 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar's army has come back, and this is the third time through, and this, we know, will be the last time through. This Jerusalem will be destroyed. Solomon's temple will be laid waste. The gold and silver vessels from the temple will be carried back to Babylon. By the way, a little interesting note. Later on, when Babylon was conquered, Cyrus the Persian asked the treasurer to locate the vessels that had been taken from the temple, Jerusalem, to send them back with exiles who went home by God's action. Okay, a little side, but for now, for now, they're ready to lay siege to Jerusalem. In the midst of all this chaos, God says, we survive by taking risks. As you heard a little bit ago, the risk that happened was Jeremiah was told to buy that field. That field was part of a family legacy. It was important in the ancient Middle East uh, to, to keep the family plot and keep it in the family. And so you had the option, if you wanted to sell it, to find the next relative who was really in line to buy it, to keep it in the family. And so this field is only three miles north of Jerusalem, a place called Anathoth, where uh, Jeremiah was born and grew up. But the problem is, Nabuzeridan, the general of the, of the Babylonian armies, is already there laying waste, and he was called the Babylonian butcher. Hanamel, Jeremiah's cousin, would really like to sell the family farm and get out of town. But there's one option. So he goes to Jeremiah and offers it to him with that scorch earth policy going on. It kind of sounds like nice oceanfront property in Arizona. It isn't a good investment. Uh, I know nothing about real estate other than the old thing, you know, what is right location, 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 and this is the wrong location. But still, the Lord has told Jeremiah, hey, Hanamel's going to come and offer you this. Uh, so, buy it. Uh, we clasp, grasp our billfolds, billfolds uh, when asked to give baby something for Maybe one of those new Christian startups that are trying to help and serve people in the community. As a congregation and certainly individually, we do support many of those. But, but before we're going to get in too far, maybe, uh, what do I have? Oh, it's a 20? Oh, well, we'll try it. But we're not going to go in whole hog for a while or... Uh, yeah, I'm working at home now because of COVID. I hear son say, hey, dad, can I help you with my, can you help me with my math? I've got work to do. I can't take time for, for that kind of thing. 
before we go in whole hog, we want to know that that investment is worth it. And so it goes. But watch what Jeremiah does. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord, and I bought the field at Anathoth from Hanamel, my cousin. <laughs> what else would you expect from someone who buried his underwear near, near the Euphrates River, later on dug it up and wore it again? What, what would you expect from someone who is right now a jailbird? He's in the uh, jail in the king's palace because he had the gall to say to Zedekiah, the king, you know, you're going to meet Nebuchadnezzar face to face, eye to eye, but it's not going to be here. You're going to be carried off to Babylon, a message that Zedekiah didn't like, and so he's in prison, in jail. What do you say about who, about what would you expect from someone whose nickname is terror on every side? What would you say or expect from someone who's kind of a death wish? How many times does Jeremiah say, curse be the day that I was born? Jeremiah knew that buying that field was impractical. It wasn't the right thing to do. He, but he didn't consult with a broker. He consulted with his Lord. And God said, buy the field. So he did. He counts out 17 shekels of silver. He has a deed drawn up. He has that witnessed. One of them is sealed. One copy is sealed. Another is open. He gives the copies to Baruch, his secretary, says, put them in that jar, seal them up. That's the equivalent in those days of putting something in a safety deposit box. And so the deal was done. And he bought the farm. Well, why make such a risky investment? Let Jeremiah tell us in other places. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign, who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. This is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Jeremiah would say, the Lord is my righteousness. Therefore, I bought the field. Another one, for I know the plans. We've heard this many times. I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to shalom you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Yahweh said, you will have a future. And so Jeremiah said, I bought the land. And in a, another place, ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And Lord, uh, by this field, it's no good investment, but it's at your word. As I read those passages again, these and many others in Scripture meant something very precious to me a year ago when my brother and wife died accidentally. And I wondered, how can we when we're reading something written hundreds of years ago, see the you there to mean you and me. Not just, oh, that was neat, Jeremiah. 
Thursday evening uh, reveal a little bit about myself. Uh, I've always enjoyed tearing houses apart and putting them back together. And I did it in a way that it passed inspection. So when we sold the house, uh, it was okay. But therefore, I like to watch things like this old house hour. Thursday night, this old house hour on PBS. And immediately after, there was a reprise of Ken Burns, one of the sections of Ken Burns' documentary on World War II. And he did a masterful job of small town America, what was happening there with the families whose sons were overseas from the east to the west on the globe. And part of that were letters that had been sent from the front to the family that 75 years later they still held and read. Some of those letters almost sounded, because the soldiers didn't want to give the family too many worries, almost sounded like they were on vacation on the French Riviera. But those same letters often arrived week or more, sometimes more than a month, after the family already had a telegram. Your son's dead. My thoughts then went <laughs> to my own father. A couple of weeks ago, I'm not going to repeat it, but I shared in a sermon how I felt the first time dad and mom left me here at Concordia Junior College on a weekend when my roommate didn't arrive. We called it exile. Well, three years ago, my father, well, let me stop there. I do not remember this at all. But one month later, I wrote my dad a letter telling him how much I appreciated him as a dad. Three years ago, at age 100, dad died. And among the, I think it was 26 notebooks yet, that he had cherished, that went from the family home to independent living, to assisted living, and then were kind of kept safe while he was in the nursing home at the end. Among them was the letter I wrote. If we have a letter from a loved one, we cherish it. If at the center of the universe is a heart that beats with ours, is a God that loves more than any of these things we've talked about, then the you addressed, this is God, but when it says us, then it counts. And we do. We have a Lord who risked. We can do that because our Savior risked for us. Not only do I know that uh, Jesus took care of those who hungered and thirst, he became a human being and was hungry and thirsty, thirsty himself. 
his heart be, be, thumped wildly with temptations to power when Satan tempted him in the wilderness. And every time he stepped up and said, the word of the Lord. Israel's great prophet made similar risky investments. He offered living water to a Samaritan woman, healed a blind Bartimaeus, raised a dead Lazarus. Well, his critics said, what do you expect of someone whose nickname is Beelzebub and who grew up in that hick town up north called Nazareth? What do you expect of someone who has a death wish? Did you hear him? The Son of Man must go to Jerusalem and be rejected by the chief priests, elders, and scribes and must die. Because of this investment, our Savior lost his shirt, literally. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And he lost a lot more than that. He lost his friends in Gethsemane. He lost muscle and skin off his back. At the whipping post at Gabbatha, he lost the presence of his father at a hill called Golgotha. But let it be known, three days later, he took it all again. He was seen in Jerusalem and Emmaus and Galilee. And that living Lord is the one who shares and promises that word to us. There is life beyond the grave because our Savior went the way that he did. Well, so how do we respond? Oh, let's get practical for a minute. As we're in a period of pastoral transition, as the elders and leaders of the congregation are assisting and leading us through this at this point in our lives, how can each of us take an additional risk in our personal lives that might and will go over to other risks? Well, I'm suggesting in light of Jeremiah's buying a field that we do something very practical. Increase the amount of your usual offering to our mutual ministry at St. Michael by 1%, I should have said, of the total that God has provided for you. Those of us who live in an urban environment are far away from the fields where grain and other things are grown. My wife grew up on a family farm in southern Illinois, and her mother always told the children, if those city people don't have any food, we do. Now, mom knew it because she put up 100 quarts of tomatoes and 100 quarts of beans, and they slaughtered a pig and put, you know, the fat in the... They had the food. It was there. It's all kind of secondhand, or most of it is for us, except if we visit a farm market. So how in this kind of economy do we say to the Lord, okay, I'm going to trust you a little more? This way. If you're... Let me start right up now. First of all, St. Michael is not pleading for money. The Lord is blessing. But the fact is, the Christian doesn't, first of all, give because the church needs money or because somebody else out there needs some help. 
the Christian gives generously because God in Christ so generously gave to us life, salvation. And so, out of that, how do we come to trust? And in the words of our gospel today, not lay up treasures for ourselves on earth where rust corrupts, where thieves break in and steal, where dust falls. By saying, Lord, uh, I don't know how we're going to do it possibly, but I'm setting this aside. And what you find and over and over again, if you're starting with what was left over after the bills are paid and maybe sneaking out to Ziano's once every two months, well then find out, figure out what is 1% of all of your gifts from the Lord, the financial ones to give that. If you're somewhere along the way toward the tithe of 10%, again, take one more step. If we're at the tithe, again, we found, and you, and you will find, and many of you know, you can never outgive God. But you can never also outgive or out, <laughs> or just kind of say, okay, that's it, Lord. Marilyn and I, for the month, have dispensed our percentages. And then yesterday we get a letter in the mail. That surely is a worthy cause. And so, don't lay treasures up. The fact is, the Lord has blessed us, blessed you. We'll continue to. By this, we take one more step of faith, saying, Okay, Lord, you told Jeremiah to buy the field. I'm going to take this step. And the Lord would say, Watch me. So motivated by the power and the gospel, wash a wash in the waters of baptism, receiving our Lord regularly here from this table with his body and his blood. We're ready to lose our shirts, whether it's time or some more of the treasure that our Lord has given us. Jeremiah said, then I knew that this was the word of the Lord and I bought the field. So he did. And so we will. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.